It is such a joy to know Jesus Christ. For those of us who believe, we, we have this constant sense of, um, of gratitude because of, because of where we know we could be without Christ. Where would you be without Jesus? What would you have lost? For some of you who don't believe, I want to encourage you to consider Christ today. For those of us who do believe, let's think about the blessings that that God brings to our lives, that, that we are allowed to have this way of life that enables us to know God's unique will for us. See, there is this way of life that we gain in Christ, and it's a, there's a rhythm to it. There's a way to it. It begins every Sunday as we gather for worship. We're, we're able to grow strong in it as we're equipped for growth. As we make more disciples, we, we explain it to others. And then as we, we connect in a group and serve the church and world, it all comes into focus. It, it all comes into focus in particular, I know that's it's my experience, that God's calling came into particular focus as I began to serve him. The more I served the Lord in general ways, the more I came to understand God's particular call on my life. And see, that's how it works. When you're walking in the general will of God, when when you're walking in the general way of God, these five fundamental aspects of the Christian life, it is there the particular will, the special will for your life and my life becomes clear. Today we want to talk about this this wonderful gift of service that God allows us to give. We are free to serve the church and world. And one of the great needs in our society today is leadership. You know what the you know what's easy to do? It, it's easy to it, it's easy to make fun and condemn other leaders politically. It's easy to point at Trump and Biden and Bevin and Bashir and Pelosi and McConnell. It's easy. It's easy to to talk about the the cultural bigwigs, the big tech, entertainment industry, mainstream media, all that they're doing that's wrong. It's easy for me to point fingers at spiritual leaders, the progressives and the nationalists and the self-realized Christians who are deconstructing the Christian faith and making it far less than what God's word says it actually is to be. You know what's hard to do? Is to say, here I am. Why aren't I willing? Why aren't I willing to say, Lord, do as you will? Why must I always be in control? Why must I always have the say? Why must it be about me? There's a great gift in being a Christian And the greatest gift of all is saying, Lord, I'm yours. The sovereign ruler and maker and sustainer of all things is free to have his way in my life. The one who knows what is best. The one who knows all things and knows how to make all things work for good. He he is my Lord. He is the one who's calling. He is the one who is leading. And he's calling us to be leaders we, everybody in this room has influence. Everyone here is a leader. And that's what, that's what leadership is. It's influence. I know there's children who think, well, I'm, I'm not a leader. I don't have influence. Listen, children, I've seen three-year-olds and 16 and 17-year-olds take what were seemingly normal people and make them crazy. 
You have influence. You have leadership. Uh, many of us have seen it in, um, in, in jobs. Uh, you've seen it in the workplace. We've seen it in stories of corporations that could have been phenomenal, but, but they were led astray. They were led by bad leaders. There, there was something evil that crept up. I, I'm listening to a podcast right now, the the rise and fall of Mars Hill, where it's talking about the the corruption that took place in one of the largest and most influential churches in the world because of a failure of leadership. We we, we see it in in every aspect. I've I've seen here recently, uh, one of our great high school sports teams was doing phenomenal and out of nowhere, these two parents of one of the, one of the children on the team became a, a very, very outspoken, very, very negative, destroyed the whole team. People that weren't even on the field destroyed a great thing, destroyed a great team, destroyed a great opportunity for these children. They used their leadership and influence to cause pain and problems. Friends, every one of us in this room is a leader. You are a leader you have influence. You have the ability to impact other people's lives. We all serve some purpose with our influence. The question that we Christians need to ask is, are we mindful of the purpose that God has given to us to serve? And are we, are we serving the right way? Our text today, the scripture we're going to study, It helps us understand how we can best serve God with our one and only life. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to the Gospel of Mark. Let's go to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 42 through 45, and Harrison's going to read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word as Harrison comes. Again, we're in... Mark chapter 10, and Harrison's going to read for us verses 42 through 45. Go ahead, buddy. And Jesus called to them and said to them, You know, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever you great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be the first among you must be saved of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Well done, Harris. Thank you. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. You may be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. This week is a big week in the life of our nation. Six days from now is September the 11th. I'm hoping and praying throughout this week that we all take some time to reflect on what happened that day. And that we would be grateful. Because on that day, as bad as it was, there were leaders who were stepping up to serve. And I hope that you take some time to watch a few of the documentaries that will celebrate some of the sacrifices that took place in those Twin Towers. Sacrifices that took place in the Pentagon. And sacrifices that took place on United Airlines Flight 93, where Todd Beamer was a passenger. I don't know if you know the story of Todd Beamer. He was a 32-year-old man, had a wife, uh, had a lot of great opportunities ahead of him. He was aboard a flight that was intended to crash into one of the buildings in Washington, D.C. But their flight was delayed. 
All the other flights that took off that day that crashed into the, the, the buildings, they were on time, but that one was late. And that delay gave them a heads up because they began to get calls from their family members explaining that there had been attacks. They became very much aware that their plane had been hijacked, that it was going the wrong direction and it was surely going to be used as a bomb. They called their loved ones and they said their goodbyes. And then Beamer said, let's roll. And they crashed that plane in Pennsylvania. And at the expense of their lives, saved many. Since that day, our nation has, has been at war with terrorists and sadly with ourselves. There was such a, an amazing unity that existed within our nation for several months. You remember? You remember how we prayed? You remember how proud we were of our country? But then the wars began. And then politicians began to do what politicians do. And from that time until now, our nation has only known war and division. I was speaking with a group of 20-year-olds recently, talking about that time, talking about our country. And you would have thought that I was, I was talking about a completely different place than maybe I was. Because you know what those 20-year-olds told me? They said, we can't understand what you're talking about. We've never seen the United States united. We've only ever seen strife. We've only ever seen hate. We've only ever been told that we're, that we're uh, just a bunch of conquerors, that, that, that we, we are divided by race, that we don't have unity, that there are the oppressed and the oppressors, and we need for the oppressed to become the oppressors, and we, we need equal outcomes, not opportunities. We, 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 that's what they've been told. And they've been told they should be ashamed of their country. They should be ashamed of themselves. And there is no great pride in the country. They don't, they don't remember ever seeing it. Things are bad right now. But in the vacuum of leadership that exists in our nation and world, the people of God have an opportunity. We who know Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, we have the capacity and the opportunity to lead, to step up and to speak up and to stand for what is right and true and best. And that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord alone. We can make the difference. The church can make the difference. But to do it, we've got to be intentional. We've got to be intentional about who we serve. We've got to be intentional about how we served. God has blessed all of us. Everyone in this room, every one of you, are, you are a leader. You have influence. You can make a difference. But you've got to be intentional about it. You've got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's what our text helps us understand today. 
It explains how we are to serve the church and world. It explains how it is we can make the difference that God is calling to us. Three things I would encourage you to take note of. And the first is this. God's will is that we serve the church and world as humble servants. Humble servants. You know, God calls us to use our lives to serve others and not be like the world who uses people to serve their own desired outcomes. What Jesus described here is those rulers of Gentiles who lord it over them and their great ones who exercise authority over them. Friends, we, we, are, not to use, we are not to use people. We are to use our lives to serve people. We are to use our lives as as living sacrifices laid down before the Lord God Almighty and say to him, here I am, Lord, send me. Let my life count for you. Let my life be used to be a light. See, Jesus was correcting James and John, and it may very well be that Jesus may need to correct some of us this morning. If you will, look in verse 35. Look what was happening here. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. So you see there in verses 35 through 37, James and John wanted priority seating. They wanted to be the VIPs of the kingdom of God. They wanted all the benefits that they perceived that would come with that. And Jesus made it clear in verses 38 and 39 that that kind of authority in the kingdom, that it comes with great responsibility. So he says to them, will you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? What he was talking about there was his death. Will you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized? That was the immersion into the grave. And he made it clear to them that they would indeed drink that cup. We read in Acts chapter 12, verse 2, that that James was killed for the faith. And we know that later John was persecuted. As a matter of fact, when he wrote the Revelation, the, the last book of our Bible, he was on the Isle of Patmos in persecution. And he suffered all of his life for the cause of Christ. So yes, they they lived out what it is they were called to be and to do, and it came at a great cost. Let me give you a leadership axiom. Remember this. When I train young pastors in particular, I always put this in front of them. The more responsibility and influence, the more pain. Be careful what you want. The more influence, the more resources, the more you have, the more responsibility you bear, and the more pain that will come. God in preparing leaders, one of the first things he often does, does, and if you read the scriptures, you'll see this. One of the things he often does is he takes those he's going to use as leaders. He takes us through trials and pain to prepare us for what 
for what is ahead. And, and, it's, and it's an act of grace. Understand that most people reach their pain capacity long before they reach their potential. Most people reach their pain capacity. They say, well, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. You know what? No one appreciates me in this. You know what? This is just, this is just too much. It's just, it's just taking too much. They, they meet their, their pain capacity. They say, no, no more, long before they reach their potential. See, you have so much influence. You have so much ability, natural and spiritual, that God has given to you. But here's what is happening to most of God's people today. They are not willing to sacrifice. It is way too inconvenient to serve the kingdom of God. There's too much money to be made. There's too much fun to be had. There's too many other things that, that we could be giving our lives to. And many are saying, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll, but don't expect because, you know, that's just, that's just hard. And what happens is that we meet our pain capacity long before we ever get near our potential because we're not willing to suffer. We're not willing to come humbly and say, God, whatever you want to do, it, it, my life is yours. I am your servant. I yield myself to you. The, the other 10, they got upset with James and John because James and John were being selfish. See, we are to serve humbly like Jesus. Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse three, the canonical hymn, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in likeness of men and being found in human form. Look at this. Look at that. He humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you like me are called to serve the king and to serve him rightly. We must willing, we must choose to willingly humble ourselves and it must be willingly. Write it down. God's will is that we serve the church and world as willing servants. God calls us to willingly submit our lives to serve others. Now to do that, we need to see ourselves in a very special way. Paul spoke to this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one enlisted him as members of the kingdom of God we have a king king Jesus he is lord of lords he is king of heaven and earth and we are soldiers in the kingdom's army are we very good are you a good soldier or are you too caught up in civilian affairs are you too caught up in the things that you can't keep to pursue the things that you would never lose if you would truly, willingly pursue what God would have for your life. The greatest need, your opportunity, my opportunity to change the world, to have and to use our influence for a great purpose 
is love. The greatest need is love for us to experience it and for us to share it. It says in in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. The greatest service that we give to the church is to love one another. And one of the greatest services that we give to the world is to let the world see us love one another. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe in Jesus Christ because I didn't see it in other people. I knew churchgoers. I knew hypocrites. I knew judgmental finger pointers. But it wasn't until I got to Park Avenue Baptist Church that I saw love. I saw people love each other. People that were vastly different love each other. And you know what I couldn't believe? Is they loved a foul-mouthed punk like me. There was love. There was something happening in that church family that I wanted more of. You know, an interesting thing, when a family is going to adopt a child, one of the things that's required is a home health study. And so the government will come in and they will do a, a study to see, does, does the, will the child have a place to sleep? Will the child have uh, food to eat? Will the child have uh, leaders in their lives that will influence them to have a health style, a lifestyle rather, that will, that will lead to health? And so there's this study done to, to make that de- decision. You know, what God does regularly is he does a health study of church homes. And, and you know, we pray for awakenings. We pray for revival. We want to see the world change. We say, we say we want to see the world change. We say we want to see the, the love of God spread through the world. But there's this problem, see? <laughs> In order for those orphans to be adopted into the family of God and be of use to us, we've got to pass the home health study of our God. And you know what he's looking for? Love. You know what he's wondering? Does living hope really love each other? Do they really care for each other? Are they willing to serve the children that I want to bring to Saving Faith? Are they willing to serve the students and, and, and the young adults? Are they, are they really willing to serve the people who are, who are going to come to that front door? Will they look them in the eye and say, good morning. We're glad you're here. Let me help you find a place to sit. God's going to be at work today. Is that what people would find? See, God's looking at us and he's, he's wondering, is this a healthy place where I can send adopted children of of my family to be cared for and loved? Is this a place where there is love and service where people will be cared for? I wonder, because we have so many needs that are going unmet in our church right now. Just real quick, pull out your phone, open up that camera, point it at the QR code. 
It'll open up the electronic bulletin. And look at the service opportunities. We, we have so many spots, it's almost scary. Greeters in our children's ministry. Now listen, some of these spots, they require membership and they will require a background check. But you know, not all the spots do. There's plenty of places for all of us to use our influence and our love for the glory of God. But we've got to, we've got to be willing, don't we? We have to be willing to say, Lord, here I am. <laughs> Send me to the nursery to change some diapers. Here I am, Lord. Send me to door M so that every person who comes through the door has someone, at least one person, say, good morning. We're glad you're here. Here I am, Lord. I'll pray. I'll pray every day. I'll pray. I'll be a part of this intercessory ministry. I will, I will connect. I'll be in a connect group. I'll lead a group. I'll use my influence. Here I am. If we're not going to do it willingly, we're not going to do it. Because what will happen if you sign up out of guilt or shame this morning, if you sign up and say, oh, pastor boy, he put it on us today, didn't he? We better go check a box spot. Here's what's going to happen. Your, your pain tolerance is going to get met way before your potential is ever reached. And you're just going to say, well, this is just too inconvenient. I mean, they, they want me to serve with this group. I, I said I wanted to serve with this group. Well, I, I, that's just, I just, it's just not the will of God, I suppose. Yeah. And, and you can tell that lie all day, every day. See, what, what's going to happen is if it's not from the heart willingly, it's going to get inconvenient and you're going to stop. It's inconvenient being in a small group. It's inconvenient having people who come to your house and mess up your stuff and see all your junk. It's inconvenient to confess your sins and have to be human being real. We have to do it willingly or we won't do it at all. We'll give up. And you know where that willingness comes from? It comes from a motivation. It comes from something that, that is never changed by circumstance. It's not happiness because happiness, it's decided by happenings. There's something greater that God gives to his people who say, here I am, send me. It's joy. And that's the third thing. God's will is that we serve the church and world as joyful servants. Jesus said in verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, God calls us to sacrifice and serve like him, to serve like Jesus. See, that's what the world needs, is the world needs Jesus. The, the world does not need a better version of Jason Pettis because that's not much. And the world doesn't need the, the best version of you. The world needs Jesus. This weekend is Labor Day. And how funny that the way we celebrate the workers that make our country successful is we take a day off from work. It makes perfect sense to me. Your work, whatever it is right now, is a gift. And, and what, what, what I want you to hear and understand is that you have 
a calling. It's a, it's a vocation, Latin word voca, calling. You have a calling. And here it is. I want to make sure you understand this because a lot of people get confused about this because they, they, they think that, oh, my calling is my current job description. No, 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 no. Here's your calling, Christian. Your calling is to show the people around you what it looks like if Jesus Christ were, were doing your job. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm, I'm, a, I, you know, I'm a salesperson. I, I, I'm a teacher. I, I'm in the medical field. I, I'm a preacher. What does it look like when Jesus Christ does your job? See, that's your calling. That's our calling in Christ. And to joyfully say, Lord God, I want to, I want to be like you, Jesus. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, look what he endured, not a schedule conflict. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He humbled himself and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus joyfully gave his life as a ransom to pay for our sin. The consequences of our sin are significant. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the, gift of, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That ransom price that was paid by Jesus Christ was for our sin. That's what his death purchased. His resurrection was proof of the purchase. And now for all of us who will repent, stop trusting in ourselves, stop trusting in things of this world, repent and trust in Christ alone, we're set free. When we repent and believe the gospel, the good news that Christ came down, died on that cross and has been raised, we now get to pursue and recover God's design. We now get to pursue God's will. We now get to have the Lord who knows all things, who works all things for good, guiding our every step, guiding our life, guiding us into this glorious truth. We now have the freedom to serve and to make a difference, but... There's a catch. Oliver Berkman in 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, writes this. The average human lifespan is absurdly and insultingly brief. Assuming you live to be 80, you have just over 4,000 weeks. We rarely make the connection between our daily struggles with time and the ultimate time management problem, the challenge of how best to use our 4,000 weeks. So how many of your weeks have you used? Some of us a lot. Some of y'all got a whole lot of weeks ahead of you. Good for you. Good for you. We're real glad. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with your weeks? Here's what I would do. I, I would tell you to do what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I'm setting my priorities based upon the command of Christ. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Take Acts chapter one, verse eight, and use this as a way to set the, the, the priorities, to set 
the expectations that you have for yourself. It says in Acts 1.8, Jesus, the resurrected Lord says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So think in terms of, of three aspects. First, your Jerusalem, home. Every Christian has two homes. You have the home you live in and you have your church home. And so we are called by God, gifted by God to serve. How can you be more faithfully and joyfully in service in your home? Husbands, how can you more joyfully serve your wife? Wives, how can you more joyfully serve your husbands? Children, how can you more joyfully serve your parents? Parents, how can you more joyfully serve your kids? And then church, how can you be more faithful to joyfully serve the church? The, the needs are there. The list is long and obvious. But you've got to be willing. And I promise you, if you're not joyful about it, you're going to give up. So you've got to really first, before you sign up to do anything, you need to really say, Lord God, I mean it. Here I am. Send me. I'm not serving me. I'm not even really serving those people. I am first and foremost, I'm serving you. I'm serving the Almighty. And I'm going to serve you in my home and my church home. And then Judea and Samaria. You focus on your neighbors. These are the people where you live and work and learn and play. We're to pray for them and look for opportunities to share our hope with them. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 1.17. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So here's what I do. I want to encourage you to do this. Every day is a fishing trip for me. Every day I'm looking for someone who needs Jesus. I'm going fishing. That's how you need to speak to each other. Bye, honey. Have a good day. Go catch somebody. Go fishing. Be mindful of what you're, what you're fishing for. Use the right lures. Don't yell at people today. Don't cuss anybody out. It's not helpful. Don't punch anybody. Don't be sassy. Serve with love. Go and show what it looks like when Jesus is doing your job. Go fishing amongst your neighbors, at your school, where you work, everywhere you go. Go fishing with the love of Jesus Christ. And then the ends of the earth. And, and when you do this, when we do this, and we're so blessed here at Living Hope, and again, there's a list that, that you'll find there of international opportunities, not only for this year, but we're going to begin the gift for Christ in just a few weeks. And cannot, I cannot wait for you to see how God has been at work, even during COVID, and to hear how we're being called by God to go into some amazing places next year, but also to be mindful of, of where we've already been. And what I'm thinking about today is the generational change, something that's powerful that has happened. See, we have been giving to what we call nationals. We have, we have in a part of the country right now, we call them the five guys. They speak seven languages. One of them's from Afghanistan. He has been speaking to uh, Afghans for years. He was saved. He's been sharing Christ with those back home. And that's how we know of churches that are there right now and what they're going through. 
because we have been sponsoring a missionary. And it wasn't too very long ago that he was married. And now he and his wife have been sharing Christ, not only with those back home, but see, there's been a whole group of Islamic people who've been coming through that mission field. And so recently he had to go to five different countries to go and check on all the Living Hope Baptist churches that he has planted throughout all of Europe. They call all of the churches Living Hope Baptist Church. Isn't that hilarious? They use our logo and all of our stuff. They just stick it on there. There's t-shirts with our logo. It's just great. And they're all over Europe. But, but here's what makes me smile when I think about Hadi. Is if, is if God blesses he and his wife with children. Those children are not going to be raised studying the Quran. They're going to be raised studying the word of God. They're going to be trained to know Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised. And their children and their children and their children. What we get to do when we serve the ends of the earth is to see generational change. To see people go from light, from, I'm sorry, from death into life, from darkness into light, and to be able to live their lives in service to God. And this is our calling. Now, I know some of you are not Christians. And I know you're just trying to figure out life as best you can. Can I tell you there's a better way? There's a better way, and it's under the leadership and the grace of Jesus Christ. Some of you are children of the living God. There's a better way than the one you've been going. There's a way of making a difference with your life that counts for all of eternity. There's a better way, friends. Let's stand together as we pray. I'm going to ask our care leaders, if you guys don't mind, to come forward in preparation for caring for the congregation. Let me pray as they come. Father God, I I can't help but know that there are some here today who need grace. They need salvation. And I I pray that right now that there are some who would say to you in their hearts, and, and if I'm talking about you, then let me encourage you right there where you are just to say, God, I know that I have sinned. Jesus, I know you died to pay for that sin. Please forgive me and take over my life. I want, I want to live for you. And if that's you this morning, come and talk with one of these leaders and let them talk to you about what that looks like and what, what it means to be baptized and how it is you can now be a part of what God's doing in the world. Father God, I can't help but know that some of your children have lost their way. They've gotten tangled up in civilian affairs and their pain tolerance has kept them from their potential. Lord God, I pray this morning that you are moving hearts, changing lives, renewing minds. If that's you this morning, if you're not serving, if you if you've got your feelings hurt, you got tired, you got mad, you gave up, repent. Repent. And commit yourself to serve the Lord with joy and ask God to give you the joy to serve to renew your joy and then commit yourself right now. Just commit yourself to joyfully serve the Lord wherever he's going to lead you. Go ahead right now. Just make that commitment to him. Help us, God. Make us a loving family. Make us a place where you can send your adopted children who are right now orphans and dead in sin and lost in the world who need a home where they will be loved and, and made disciples. Lord, bring revival to our hearts and an awakening to our land. Lord, do a miracle in us and then through us. And let us know your great hope. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.